Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I don't know when it happened, but someone replaced the Biden administration with the Trump administration, and I'd like to get to the bottom of this. Oh, oh, you think I'm crazy? You think I've lost my mind? Huh, interesting. Explain, then, the story that the U.S. is to limit asylum to migrants who pass through a third nation. Doesn't sound very Biden to me. Not at all. That sounds completely un-Biden at all. The idea that the Biden administration would say to somebody coming through Mexico from, let's say, El Salvador... You can't uh, get asylum? My gosh, that's... That's disgusting. That's... That's obscene. That is... That is bigoted. There is only one way to see that, and that is downright racist. You're a little bit racist. Well, you're a little bit too. I guess we're both a little bit racist. Admitting it is not an easy thing to do. But I guess it's true. Between me and you, I think... Everyone's a little bit racist sometimes. More show tunes than any other radio show in America. Take that, Mark Levin. I have no idea. Levin's a nice guy. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. (laughs) 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. That is uh, the, the, the number. You're not crazy for thinking, wait a second, this idea, which I might wholeheartedly agree with, this is something Trump wanted to do, but they didn't let him. That's absolutely correct. Trump wanted a similar ban in 2019, but a federal appeals court prevented it from taking effect. Now, I I will get more into this. If you've never heard me talk about the courts, and and I want to really break down some of the Section 230 uh, things that are being uh, discussed, uh, what we heard yesterday from the Supreme Court, what's been going on today, and in a different case, uh, this is about, you know, uh, Internet protections, and you can't be liable for things that people post on your your platforms. Um, I I, I, I will get, get into that. But the only court prescribed by, by, by the Constitution is the Supreme Court. Every other court exists at the pleasure of Congress, at the whim of Congress, really. They can be created, they can be taken away. Oh, I take away a lot of courts. This, these nonsensical judges decide, well, the president can't do that. We're talking about national security here, and we're talking about immigration, which is solely the purview of the President of the United States. Yes, but I'm a judge, don't you know? A judge, I say. I wear a robe. I'm extremely important. Everybody tells me. I mean, look at my parking spot. It's right up front. And if I say the President can't do something, he can't do it. Well, you know, the President was elected, and you were just appointed. Shut your tongue, devil! I'm a judge. Very important. Look at me. Now fetch me a latte bitch that's the way too many judges go about things and that is why i believe in dismissing them if you as a judge don't like what i as president am doing go raise an army and stop me i don't know why that isn't an argument repeatedly but this is a fascinating story the Biden administration saying it will generally deny asylum to migrants who show up at the u.s border without first seeking protection in a country they passed through 
You come from El Salvador. You travel through nations to get to the United States. What's the matter? Mexico wasn't good enough to get a, a little bit of asylum? I think the question before us is why, why, why is the Biden administration doing this? How all of a sudden do they get to this place? Are we starting to see amongst the Biden faithful a recognition that what they have put forth has failed. I know that you have um, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. And Mayorkas will tell you that everything he is doing is fine. He's terrific. He's great. He's wonderful. And that everybody who's got a problem with him, it's solely for political reasons. What do you think is the basis for their calling for your impeachment? Do you think you've done anything wrong? No, I don't. I think it is a, um, a disagreement over policy, and I think it is used for political purposes uh, to uh, continue a, a negative dialogue about a migration challenge that is not unique to the United States. You think a lot of people really working hard to get into Senegal? How many people show up in boats trying to get into China? Is there somehow a lot of mass migration from Poland to Russia? It's not unique to the United States? About a migration challenge that is not unique to the United States? Of course it's unique to the United States. How about we impeach you just for the lying there to Chris Wallace? How about the fact that you have to go on Chris Wallace's show to begin with? You have failed the border. You have failed to do your job. You have failed to recognize that the policies you want to implement have made things worse, not better. How do I know this? Two years later, we're going back to the Trump well. Now here comes the most important question, and you already know what it is. You have already been there. You just waited for me to catch up. What judge is going to say to Joe Biden, you can't do this? What judge is going to tell the Biden administration the same thing it told the Trump administration in 2019? That you cannot do this. Now, officials are insisting that what Biden is uh, proposing is different from Trump because there's room for exemptions and because the Biden administration has made other legal pathways available regarding Cubans, Haitians, Nicaraguans, Venezuelans, and Ukrainians. Ukrainians are coming up through the southern border. They're not just landing at JFK. Hold on, if we may, just for a moment. Ukrainians trying to get to the United States are going through Mexico. Why? Why? You fly into JFK. Maybe you fly into Dulles. If you're really desperate, you fly into Philadelphia. That was a Philadelphia dig. You know what? Not good if you want to be nationally syndicated, but I'm keeping it. That's sticking around, guys. That's who we are. Midwest ride or die. That's where we're at. Oh, I'm in a mood. I got to shake this out. I got to shake this out right now. My gosh. I I keep a show up at this pace. Things are going to get crazy. Who knows if there'll be a show tomorrow? Hold on. Did we lose our Philadelphia station? 
We don't have a Philadelphia station. Oh, great. Don't, t- don't play this part for them. You know what? Play this part for them twice and still demand they put us on. Let's see what happens. A judge is now going to say, oh, well, those are the clear differences between you and that despicable Donald Trump. So we'll allow it. But if I were to take a look at that and say that you've created these exemptions, if, if, if you will, doesn't that mean that this is all worthless? Wouldn't this mean that the idea of, well, look, if you haven't applied for asylum, you can't apply asylum to us, isn't that now worthless because they don't have to do that? You've given them all these other outs. Well, that's only for Cubans and Haitians and Nicaraguans and Venezuelans and Ukrainians. How soon will it also be for the El Salvadorians and the Hondurans? And why is it not for the El Salvadorians and the Hondurans? Why do you hate them, Joe Biden? My gosh, speaking of racist. You're a little bit racist. Well, you're a little bit too. All right, that's enough of that. I think this is a fascinating development. Now, one of the other big stories of the day is that the Russians are making the claim that we're no longer going to stick to the START treaty. And you're like, oh, is, is, that, is, is, is that right? Vladimir Putin is going to suspend uh, the START treaty. This goes back a, a few years. 2010 caps the number of long-range nuclear warheads, limits the use of missiles that can carry atomic weapons. We, Russia, that they, Russia, don't like that you, the United States, we, the United States, are supporting Ukraine, and so therefore, we suspend uh, the New START Treaty. That's what it's called, the New START Treaty. It's not that it's new, it's just called the New START uh, Treaty. Okay. I don't understand where the surprise is supposed to be within this conversation. This is Vladimir Putin. If he wants to launch missiles at you, he's going to launch missiles at you. You think a treaty is going to stop him? He will launch missiles at you and then explain to his people why it's your fault. He's a communist. Built in the KGB mode. Remember, he wasn't a great KGB agent, as we have learned throughout uh, history and throughout people who, who know this record. But he is KJ, KGB trained. Lying is job number one. Lying is the only job that there is. There is nothing else. So lying to his people, as he does, he's stating in a speech uh, to uh, uh, commemorate the first anniversary of the war, we aren't fighting the Ukrainian people. The Ukrainian people become hostages of the Kiev regime and its Western masters, which have effectively occupied the country. Now, that's some very, very, very provocative language. And I would argue the best thing you can do with that language is be aware of it and ignore it. Doesn't make me change any level of positioning. Doesn't make me not support Ukraine with weaponry. Well, Tony, how much are we going to spend? Now, that's the question. As we've discussed, how much are we going to spend? How much? And what's our plan? What's our purpose? We still don't have an an elucidated plan or purpose when it comes to Ukraine. And that, of course, is the problem. But that decision, that discussion, I should say, to about that decision is ours. That's about us. 
It isn't about some chatter from from uh, Vladimir Putin, blah, 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 blah. You know, who cares what he thinks about anything? It's, 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 it's meaningless to think that his words have an effect on us. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Not by any stretch of the imagination. Now, there's a story that is getting small play. But I think it needs massive play. Because I don't believe that the Air Force released the records of Republican candidates by accident. I don't. If we don't have faith in the institutions, why should I have faith in the Air Force saying it was just a mistake? I don't have it. And I'll tell you why. That's coming up. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. And every time it rains, it rains. I'm seeing some reports that people are upset that CNN hasn't fired uh, Don Lemon yet. Uh, Don't worry. They will. Don Lemon has no future at CNN. If Chris Licht, the CEO, actually wants to rebuild a network, Don Lemon has no future. So don't get freaked out. Sometimes things don't happen as fast as you would like them to. That doesn't mean that they won't happen. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Republicans upset at um, the Air Force. Actually, it's not the Air Force. Democrat political dirty tricksters. That's how, that's how Fox News uh, tells the story. And this about Air Force records that were obtained by Democrats and Democrat allies of Republican candidates. Now, this is a story that we discussed in depth because there's a candidate by the name of Jennifer Ruth Green, Republican, 1st District of Indiana. She lost her race by six points to Frank Mervan, the Democrat. Her medical records, I'm sorry, her military records were released, including that she had been assaulted by an Iraqi soldier. And this got published by a guy who I consider to be, uh, whenever, if if I should be so uh, uh, unlucky to think of him, certainly not a journalist. You're talking about a punk in in my beloved Indianapolis who is so desperate to be loved that he'll do anything. So desirous to get out of Indiana. Oh, can I please be a national reporter already? Do anything. Despicable lowlife. People who live here know who he is. And me, I'm not interested in getting into names because why would I give them any sort of popularity? I got mentioned on Tony's show. Now I'm a somebody. What a, what a yutz. I had to to clean that up there, Kylan. Kylan's running the board today. I cleaned it up for you, Kylan. You didn't have to hit any buttons. Thank you for it. You're very welcome. Well, he... This, this so-called reporter got access to these military records and published them. Uh, they're in Politico. Politico had his back, whatever the case may be. The question was, well, how'd you get access to these things? And it's very possible that as a so-called reporter, he didn't engage in anything nefarious. But how did these records get leaked? Well, you had Congressman Jim Banks of Indiana and Congressman Larry Bouchon of Indiana asking questions about this. And the Air Force said, uh, we... We leaked them by mistake. 
Now you have Representative Don Bacon of Nebraska, Republican, Zach Nunn of Iowa, Republican, notified by the Air Force that their military records were released improperly as they were campaigning in 2022. So now the question is, who released them? Well, these records were inappropriately requested in November of 2021 by a researcher named Abraham Payton, which I always thought was a fake name, worked with something called American Bridge 21st Century, which was a liberal super PAC. And this was on the false basis of employment and benefits. And the Air Force released this stuff? Well, I want to see who gets fired. The employee did not follow proper procedures, which required Bacon's signature in order to release the information. 11 individuals' records were released without proper authorization. Jennifer Ruth Green among them. I have been discussing this for a while because I wondered how it's possible in twenty at the time, 2022, how it's possible that a black woman Jennifer Ruth Green happens to be a Republican. Oh, that's right. When you're a Republican, you're not black and you're not a woman. Sorry, Jennifer. Feel feel for you. How is it possible that a black woman has her military records released that discuss an attempted or 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 or, or, or actual sexual assault? And there's not a member of of the media in your state that's curious about how this happened, disgusted by this. Nope. Indiana media and you will find what did they know in, in Nebraska, right? And when did they know it? They, no one said a word. Me, I, I, I was alone in the wilderness on this subject. They didn't say a word. How? How? This is the subject that you're going to be like, yeah, there's nothing here. You have somebody who's running for, for Congress and their personal information being used against them. These are military records. How did somebody get a hold of them? How did, uh, who, who first leaked them? And then did they go through any little level of chain of custody? You've got a conversation about a sexual assault being made public that she didn't want made public. You're telling me there's nothing today's media wants to cover on this? Nothing? This is out of control. And the entirety of Indiana media, I mean, it's, it's obviously a cowardly bunch outside of talk radio, said zero. And now we're finding out this happened in other places with other candidates. You have to fire some people at the Air Force. Then you have to figure out who this group is, and you got to shut them down. They lied. I want to know if they misrepresented themselves to get the information. Shut down the whole pack. Take away whatever tax status that they have. It's over. And most importantly, recognize the level of duplicity your political enemies, opponents, will engage to destroy you. Anything they can do, any advantage that they can get, anywhere, Anytime they will utilize. Please stop thinking that you are in any way thinking as absolute in, in, in a level of corruption that they think in. Man, you ain't close. It would be great if other people even covered the story, but oh, don't worry, they won't. They won't. They didn't care about it then, they won't care about it now. 
Meanwhile, we've got a manufacturing problem in the U.S. Do we have a solution? That's up next. You know that I'm a believer in manufacturing and not just the very concept of manufacturing, but bringing manufacturing back to the United States. And this idea that when we talk about high paying jobs and we got to go after the biomed job, we got to go after the software job and the coding job. Not every job is meant for every person. And we leave far too much on the table when we say we don't want those jobs. Let's say, for example, in the state of Indiana, a massive mistake is made when Georgia or Arkansas or, or even California, with all the mistakes they make, would want to turn away manufacturing. It's a failure, I think, to recognize that the citizenry is made up of a whole bunch of different people with different wants, different ideas and different skill sets. And some of those skill sets for manufacturing are extremely high and some of those skill sets uh, for manufacturing are in different places. We need this. And in order to be a safe and secure nation, we need this. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Jay Timmons joins me right now. He is the president and CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers. He's on tour, something called the Competing to Win Tour. And he was not too far away from me where I live in Indiana, touring some manufacturing facilities here in the state. Sir, it's, it's good to have you with us. You've been out there with Senator Todd Young uh, of Indiana touring some facilities. What are you looking at? What are you looking for? And what is this competing to win roadmap that you've put together and, and the National Association of Manufacturers has put together for candidates and elected officials? Well, thanks for, thanks for having me, Tony. It's good to be here. And yes, this is our competing to win tour uh, where we're highlighting uh, all of the great opportunities that are available in manufacturing today and also what opportunities we have to grow manufacturing, to your point, grow manufacturing right here in the United States through our public policies in Washington, D.C. Uh, Senator Young and I had an opportunity to tour INCOG, uh, which is a biopharmaceutical company that has um, located in, in Fishers, uh, and they are, they are growing and providing more opportunities for the residents in the area uh, to be a part of that uh, fantastic facility. What we're doing, Tony, is, is uh, highlighting. We started in, in Waukesha, Wisconsin yesterday. I'm, I'm really pleased to be here in, in the Indianapolis area today, um, heading to New Orleans uh, later this week. And the goal here is to highlight uh, what is necessary to grow manufacturing in the United States, uh, friend-shoring or near-shoring jobs uh, that are so vital to our economic success and our national security. So we look at things like uh, the, the competitive tax reforms that were, that were um, implemented or, or um, uh, enacted in 2017 and how that was rocket fuel for investment and job creation and wage growth here in this country and how we've coupled that with regulatory certainty in the last administration and infrastructure investment and the Chips and Science Act in this administration, the Chips and Science Act, by the way, which Todd Young uh, led to, to passage. And we just see unlimited opportunity here in the United States to keep growing. We've got a few things left to do, which we can talk about, but we're really pleased with the trajectory that we're on. You talk about regulatory security, and certainly uh, you and I could have a detailed conversation uh, about the CHIPS Act and, and whether or not we've now created a glut of, of chips, as some people have described. Have we fully engaged American security with, with that act? But when you talk about regulation, something that we discuss often on the show, I said regulatory security. Did I not have the terminology right? 
Uh, regulatory certainty. Is regulatory certainty. You're but, right. But that hey, is, we need the security too. <laughs> that no, that is the term that you used. It's about the idea that businesses know how they can grow, so they can grow. Without that certainty, they can't. Is this a political issue? Is this an ideological issue? How do you convince elected leaders that businesses need to know the rules of the road in order to figure out how to actually go down it? Yeah, you're exactly right. So, you know, the regulatory environment, sadly, in Washington and even in the states, does tend to be a political pendulum. And so what we've seen is we saw in the last administration, we saw some uh, focus on making sure that our environmental regulations and our labor regulations, um, regulations coming out of the Security and Exchange Commission, uh, were established in a way that would, would not only ensure um, certainty for businesses all across the country, but also would be common sense and would be practical and achievable. Um, this administration is beginning to um, uh, promulgate regulations that, frankly, are not achievable in many instances. And, and before we've even hit the goalposts of, of other uh, regulations that have been put in place. And that's, that's pretty unfortunate. One of the things that we're advocating on this tour is permitting reform, which was a victim, a political victim, unfortunately, of the last Congress. But if we can actually get this done by Congress instead of the bureaucrats in the government, then we're going to have more certainty in the permitting process. We're going to be able to um, have ha- have a sense of, of understanding and certainty for businesses when they make these multi-billion dollar investments that they can actually get um, a spade in the ground and, and get a building built and get uh, uh, get a facility opened up. I worked for George Allen when he was governor of Virginia. I was his chief of staff. And one of his major focuses was uh, getting permitting reform. And at that time, we were able to uh, provide businesses with a sense of certainty that if they invested in our state at the time, um, they would know that they could open their doors at a, at a prescribed date. And in some very large facilities. That date was one year uh, after after the um, uh, project was announced, and sure enough, we got those doors open. You just have to have that focus by leaders at all levels of government. Talking to Jay Timmons, president and CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers. He's the chairman of the board of the Manufacturing Institute. This is an interesting conversation. I would love for you to be able to give me a specific, because very often we discuss manufacturing in the ether without bringing down to how does it affect local communities. You mentioned Fishers, Indiana, which is a suburb northeast of Indianapolis, but there are lots of suburbs in lots of places all across the country. When you talk about permitting reform, how does it work? How does it get implemented? And then how does it affect the people of a Fishers, Indiana or name your city suburb USA? Well, kind of put it, (coughs) pardon me, to put it in the most basic terms, um, you know, we, we have goals and we have goal posts um, in our, let's just use environmental regulations, whether that's air or water. Um, uh, and, and when decisions are being made about whether to locate, where to locate a facility or perhaps a, an energy uh, production facility or telecommunications or utility um, or a road or a bridge, those decisions can be complicated, um, or I should say that the actual construction of those projects can be complicated by a lengthening of the process 
to evaluate all of all of the items that go around ensuring that we have clean air, clean water, um, clean soil, and all of those things are important. But oftentimes we we allow the bureaucracy to do kind of one step at a time instead of working together in a much more efficient manner to get things done more quickly. So let's just say a road that we're, we're thinking about uh, siting somewhere in Indiana, it could take five to 10 years to actually get the permit to build that road, which really doesn't make sense. It's hard for any community to plan around that. And it, it holds up progress for the people of that community that the road would be located in. So this is about speed, this is about efficiency, and this isn't political. It's just about how you create better, faster opportunities for better, faster turnarounds. Yeah, you said it exactly right. And it's not political. And the, and the, reason, <laughs> the reason I know that is we have Republicans and Democrats who are all saying, look, we've got to have this permitting reform. But they, it was a bipartisan bill that passed, for instance, infrastructure investment. And a lot of folks who, who supported that legislation are suddenly realizing, well, that's great that you have an investment for roads and bridges and, and um, telecommunications, but it, you can't build it if it's going to take five to 10 years to actually just get a permit to do it. So you see that bipartisan support. The Biden administration has indicated that, that they could support something in, these, in this area. Of course, they'll be back and forth about exactly what the uh, the terms are of that legislation but we really think it can get done this congress before i let you go and i know you're up against it i appreciate you giving us your time jay timmons president and ceo of the national association of manufacturers there's of course the question of actually finding people who do the manufacturing with covid without covid how difficult has it been to find people to enter the manufacturing world and what are you doing to try and draw those people to this profession yeah, so it is great to invest. It's great to create jobs, uh, but you're exactly right. If you don't have the people to do it, then uh, that really that really uh, hurt, hurts our competitive advantage in this country. And we want to outcompete China, right? We want to we want to make sure that China is not uh, doing better than us. And one of the ways that we're going to do that is to have all the folks necessary to get the jobs done in manufacturing. Today, we have about eight hundred and fifty thousand open jobs in this sector. Before the pandemic, that number was about 500,000. So it's not a new problem. At the very worst part of the pandemic, we still had 300,000 jobs that were open in the sector. So how are we dealing with that here at the National Association of Manufacturers and the Manufacturing Institute? We're trying to attract more women into the sector. We have a huge, huge gender gap. Only 29% of the manufacturing workforce is female. We're trying to make sure that folks who are uh, departing their military service understand all of the amazing job opportunities that are available in manufacturing. We have a program called Heroes Make America um, that is actually located on military bases throughout the country. We have, we have the FAME apprenticeship program that was formerly um, uh, owned and, and operated by Toyota. They gave it to our institute, and we're expanding that across the country. We have a program for second chance hiring. So those nonviolent offenders who have been a part of the criminal justice system and need a, a second start. Uh, we have opportunities in manufacturing. And then we have our Creators Wanted program to make sure that the next generation understands the myriad of opportunities in the sector. So many young people, like my own children, they want to do something significant. They want to make a positive difference in the world. There is no better way to do that than in manufacturing because all roads 
start with manufacturing. You can't create a solution unless manufacturing is a part of that. And then lastly, I would say that we need to get serious about immigration reform in this country. And I'm talking about legal immigration. And we need to focus on things not only like border security or uh, finding a pathway to legalization for the dreamers, those people who have never known any country other than the United States, but also focus on the uh, on reform of H-1B and H-2A and H-2B uh, programs so that we can make sure that those who want to come to our country and contribute to our economy and contribute to the values of, of the United States have the opportunity to do that. But we can only do that through a legal system that uh, is, is really uh, the focus, I think, of bipartisan See, you can't, you, you can't end an interview by talking about dreamers and visas regarding uh, student visas and others. I, I mean, that's a, that's a rough one right there. That's a whole different subject for a whole different day, Jay. My gosh. We have, that, there's, a lot, there's a lot to that, right? And we will get into that in the future. Jay Timmons, president and CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers, chairman of the board of the Manufacturing Institute. I appreciate you taking the time. You can learn more about him and about the organization at NAM, National Association of Manufacturers, nam.org. Uh, Jay Timmons, thank you. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So Iran is on the cusp, that's the word utilized, the cusp of the ability to make nuclear weapons because they can enrich uranium to 84% purity. Uh, look, I, I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure that's a problem. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com. Did anybody think this wasn't going to be the case? Did anybody think... This wasn't going to be the case, even if we had stuck with the ridiculous and embarrassing and altogether toothless Iran nuclear deal. Oh, I have met plenty of person. Well, this is because Trump got out of the Iran nuclear deal. If we had stayed in the Iran nuclear deal, well, uh, Iran wouldn't have been able to do this. They lie. They lie. So what would make you think they couldn't do such a thing? Of course they could do such a thing, and they would do such a thing, and they have done such a thing. You think Trump getting out of the deal all of a sudden led to this massive level of growth and opportunity? That's a silly thought. Ask yourself, what? how long does it take to do these things? And, and the answer is, I'm no expert either. But it takes a long time. It takes know-how. It takes skill. And remember, these are the Iranians who keep having areas just bombed out of existence because Israel is worried about its future. Remember, these are the people who had to deal with Stuxnet. Do you remember Stuxnet? Stuxnet, Stuxnet S-T-U-X-N-E-T, was a, was a computer virus. And... Um, caused massive damage to the nuclear program of Iran. Was it released by Israel? One would assume. I'll gladly assume it, and then I'll do this. Sorry, you're talking about a nation that says we want to wipe your nation off the face of the earth. I believe that nation might very well be within its rights to say, hey, we don't want that. Let's make sure it doesn't happen. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. I don't know why this isn't somehow the rules of engagement. And even with all of that, and I mean, Stuxnet goes back to 2010. Even with all of that, 
they're still able to enrich. So why would anybody think that they had ever stopped? And let's for a moment just recognize just how absolutely ridiculous and altogether horrific the the uh, Iran nuclear deal really was because it didn't do anything to stop Iran. Not a thing at all. And you'll also note how it wasn't a treaty. It was never brought uh, forth a- as a treaty. It was just a deal. It was just a deal because, you know, as a treaty, it wasn't going to get passed. Just another bit of Obama's sleight of hand that took place. The International Atomic Energy Agency trying to determine whether Tehran deliberately made a move or if it was an unattended accumulation within the network of pipes connecting the hundreds of fast-spinning centrifuges used to separate the isotopes. And we're talking about here how fast they've gotten up to this number. You need 90% enrichment to produce a nuclear weapon. The only place they have known Iran to be is 60%. So how all of a sudden did they get to 84%? It was an oopsie. It was just a, we were doing this, we were doing that, we were doing this. Someone left a chocolate bar in between the microwaves and it melted. We're like, oh my gosh, we figured out how to reheat pasta in everybody's home. No. They've been working on this. They have been working on this and working on this. Iran, of course, cannot be trusted. Are they public enemy number one for the United States? No, that is that is China. Of course it is. Are they the enemy? Well, yes, of course they are. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be silly. Of course they are. And then with a the nuclear weapon is a threat to everyone. And thus, it has to be removed. I'm Tony Katz. 